are now listening to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast, the final Pat's Pulpit Podcast of the 2022 season. Thank the Lord. (laughs) Alex Shane here breaking down the Patriots-Bills game and the entire year that was for the New England Patriots with my good buddy, Rich Hill. Rich Hill, start off on a positive note. Uh, Happy anniversary. I think it's seven-year anniversary of the Edelman to Amendola Pats-Ravens divisional round game. Wow. Today, January 10th, 2015. So that was a much better playoff game than anything we'll see i feel like this coming playoffs because the pats aren't in it because they are officially eliminated and i for one am not shedding any tears yeah i am not either man i I mean i tweeted about this like right after the the season ended i feel so much relief that this is over and no one really sustained like a season-ending injury like this is a team that was never going to go anywhere that needs to have primarily its coaching staff like redone but it was just, it's, it's been so hard this year watching some like very talented players doing like kind of the best that they can, but also just like not being put in a position to succeed and knowing that nothing's going to change about it. Like, I feel like for me, and I don't know where you were at, but at the middle of the season, when Bill Belichick was asked if like, is it, is it about time to like shake up the offensive coaching staff a little bit? And he's like, it's too late into the season for that. And that, that was when I was like, all right, the season's done. Like I, I, I personally checked out from like, uh, do they have a chance? Because like at that point it's like, Oh, so they're just not going to try and fix anything this year. Best case scenario is no one else gets hurt. And no one else really did get hurt. And again, there's a lot of optimism going into 2023, which we'll talk about as the off season goes on. This is really, this podcast is really more about breaking down the bills game and just kind of doing a little bit of a, a season in review, so to speak about what we witnessed and didn't witness probably more importantly in 2022. Um, yeah. I mean, look, it is what it is. We're I think best case scenario Patriots sneak into the playoffs, which they almost kind of did. I mean, there were some pretty lousy games that they needed to have happen. The Titans <laughs> didn't need to have happen. The, the Miami needed like a last second field goal to go up nine six. The Browns gave the Steelers all they could handle. So it almost happened for the Patriots. But it's funny, man. Like as far as this season goes, like I think the best case scenario would be the Patriots sneak in as a seven seed, go back to Buffalo next week <laughs> and get wrecked. <laughs> So I so mean, fun. Yeah. So I'm I'm okay like taking the number 14 overall draft pick in exchange for watching the Pats lose one more time this season. Yeah, totally. And like, okay, uh, let's break down the Patriots Bills game because like I thought that that was a good game. Like totally. honestly, it, it was something that outside of the Patriots special teams unit putting together probably their worst game of the Bill Belichick era. Um, but also like, you know, DeMar Hamlin, uh, you know, like his his presence around this game uh bill's first game after he went to the hospital and the opening kickoff being returned for a touchdown i was like yeah bill i mean bills are going to win this game regardless but what a moment what a moment that was and then for them to do it again later in the game it was one where it's just like okay this is a team of destiny right now like the patriots aren't meant to win this game but the fact that they just kept competing over and over again that their defense did a very very good job against uh against the bills where you know uh, they needed to get a 42-yard touchdown pass to John Brown, who was elevated from the practice squad. The fact that they they had to go so far down, like Patriots were covering the top options relatively well. And then uh, Stephon Diggs had the backbreaker, like 49-yarder. Uh, but like 
the Patriots were doing exactly what they wanted to do on defense, forcing them to have to convert like three different third downs, which is exactly what you need to do in order to beat this Bills team. And that the offense was fighting and fighting and fighting. Stevenson had a, a solid outing out there. Uh, Devontae Parker had his best game. They finally like realized that Nelson Aguilar shouldn't be on the field. They allowed Kendrick Bourne to play half the snaps. Uh, it felt like the Patriots were doing what they needed to do to win the game. And that really heartened me for, you know, moving into the offseason. Yeah, I mean, these are the kind of losses I will take every single week if they played like that. Bills are a better team than the Patriots from top to bottom. And they hung in there and they made the Bills beat them. They didn't beat themselves with, again, the exception of those two kickoff returns. Yeah, I mean, that's just an amazing moment. Now, I don't know about you, but when that happened, I'm like, wow, the Bills are going to win this by a million points today. This is going to be an absolute disaster of a game from a scoreboard perspective. But being on the, the like the receiving end of it, of just one of the all-time great sports moments up there with mm-hmm. the punt, punt block Falcon Saints back in the Superdome, that Brett Favre Monday night game when against the Raiders after his dad died, where he threw for like 400 yards and four TDs. They're just like, these, these moments are singularly stand out and are ingrained in kind of all sports history. And it was really, really cool to see, to see live. And it's so great that DeMar Hamlin got to watch that live yep. uh, more importantly. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of fitting, honestly, in a weird way that the 2022 Patriots basically ended up getting knocked out of playoff <laughs> due to their special teams play. I mean, that's kind of as, as fitting as it gets, something that you would never see in Belichick coach teams of, 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 of old. That's exactly why they lost, because basically, other than those those two kickoff returns, they lost by 13 points. There's 14 points on the board. And then there were 14 points scored off of Josh Allen needing to be one of the best quarterbacks in the game. They basically only had one long scoring drive, the Bills did. The Patriots played really well. They hung tough, gave them everything they could handle. And they just got beat by a better team who made more plays because they're more talented across the board. And, and those are the kind of losses I will take every single time beyond goal line fumbles and ridiculous laterals <laughs> and, and free and outs you know, over time. And just like, you know, the way the Patriots lost, it's just, it's just, it's, it's fitting and I'm okay with it. And it's amazing how much this team ended up missing Jake Bailey. Yep. Because if you look at their touchback percentage with and without Bailey, it is night and day. And I never thought I'd see the Patriots prefer to take an illegal formation or what? I don't think what's the, what's the, Pick the ball out of bounds. Yeah, <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know what the official name of that penalty is, but this, I would rather you start at the 40 yard line with a quarterback who can reach the end zone <laughs> than, than go for a, a kickoff return. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, is what it is. Uh, I think it's a good positive note in a weird way to take into the off season, to go out like that, even though they're limited from the postseason. I would, I would rather than lose this way in week 18 than if like the bills and Bengals game were switched and their last play of the season was a goal line fumble. So hopefully they take this as they start to regroup and reshift energy towards 2023 and, um, and take the positives and, and go with it that way. Yeah, totally. And like, there are definitely a lot of positives from this year. I think that like there is, uh, you know, obviously just, a great frustration with this team around the misutilization of how like the roster was handled, but like, not like a lot of free agents, you know, like Jacoby Myers is obviously the big one. He's going to get paid and deservedly so because he has been the only consistent target for the Patriots, like for the past couple of years. And so like, if like the Patriots will sign Myers who from like a production standpoint, top 25 wide receiver in the league from an efficiency standpoint, if he was like, on a different team that threw the ball or like was more focused through the air, people would more regard him in like that top 15 range, just like by getting more opportunities. Uh, 
he's worth it. He's worth retaining. He's worth paying for that much. If you get Myers to come back, if you can figure out how, uh, you know, is Devin McCourty coming back? Is Matthew Slater coming back? If, if you can figure out those pieces, then the Patriots offseason is pretty straightforward because Devontae Parker, under contract. The offense is so much better when he's out there. Kendrick Bourne, under contract. He's expressed that he wants to be a part of the solution here, like already. Like maybe he'll be traded, I don't know. But for his sake, he's saying all the right things. He's saying, no, man, I want to be here. Tyquan Thornton played half the snaps on offense. He's going to definitely take over Nelson Aguilar's old snaps. And like Thornton has a lot of room to grow, obviously. But I think giving him that space in the lineup, even if, especially if the Patriots have like a little bit of a more coordinated offense, like I, I can see him having a better season and building off of at least just getting the opportunities he did this year. Uh, someone who can better utilize Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith, like, Henry, for all of his, like, lack of production that you would expect out of, like, a top three paid tight end, he's been fine. You know, he he's produced as expected, like, as he has done historically, which is, like, not top three level, but, like, you know, it, at least, like, you have a tight end out there. Hopefully someone can figure out what to do with Jonu Smith. Like, pretty much everyone often on offense other than the offensive tackles are under contract. So like you don't have to worry, like if they can re-sign Myers, then like they can revitalize that offensive line and that unit will be okay. If you get better coaching on the defensive side of it, same thing, not going to have a lot of turnover out there. Jonathan Jones is a free agent, uh, Devin McCourty potential retirement. But if you like figure outside of those two, uh, and then also, like, maybe it's worth retaining Jonathan Jones because he's been exceptional and he's worth paying. Uh, they're also going to be fine because they have a super deep bench at that safety spot as well. So, like, there's not going to be a lot of turnover. And I don't think that at any point I've really pointed at the players as being the problem. And so, uh, yeah, I'm legitimately hopeful for what this team can do next year. Not only that, Rich Hill, but I believe the Pats have upwards of $40 million in cap space next yep. year, which is like fourth highest in the league. Uh, that's not even that's before they even restructure any contracts or release guys or or play with cap and as they manipulate kind of their, their signing bonuses and all that good stuff. So they're going to have plenty of money to play with and to sign guys and maybe bring in those other couple pieces in free agency. And they have 11, I believe, 11 draft picks in 2023 so um there's a lot of good things on the horizon for this team and yeah i'm with you again i think from a, an individual player perspective I, I like most of the guys on this team and everyone's coming back that, that I'm, I'm excited to have them come back and, and they can they can definitely make some noise next year if they can have an offseason to remember uh year three is historically the year that quarterbacks make that leap and become that elite level you know look at josh allen year one to year three i think it's a great example um but yeah, there's a lot of question marks for this team. And I don't know. I'm just I'm just really glad that I don't have to sit down on my computer every Monday morning and try and think of a new way to spin how <laughs> a, a run for two yards, an incompletion, and a sack four times on nine possessions is something to to analyze and break down. Because it yeah. just isn't. Uh the, I think that the biggest question mark really, I, I personally, I'm sure you you may agree that Matthew Slater and Devin McCordy have played their last down of football. Um and while they're not quite the player they were at, at age 35, 36, just the, the locker room presence, the, the captain ability, yep. the emotional component they bring to the team. You know, if you watch the, the locker room celebrations on Patriots.com, it's always Matthew Slater breaking the team down at the end. I'm not sure if you saw David Andrews press conference. He was yep. in tears thinking yep. about those guys not being there anymore. All signs point to them being gone. And 
with a team, as you mentioned so correctly, that is going to have some coaching turnover, maybe some leadership turnover to also lose those kind of locker room guys as they regenerate for 2023. That's a pretty massive hole to fill. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. And uh, I mean, also side note, I met uh, Trent Brown is not a free agent. He signed under for next year as well. Um, but I, I think that there is a, a potential for a big vacuum at that position and like a drainage of like, what is the Patriots way kind of a thing, you know, and like Tom Brady has always been such a big part of that. Um, but like you always had some of these legacy players being carried over, whether it's like the Dante Hightowers who aren't at there anymore, but also like the Julian Edelman's David Andrews is there as well. Like who is going to be that next person? Because Devin McCourty has been that through line for the past like 13 seasons. And I personally think that, you know, uh, Kyle Duggar could be that guy. I would love to see him elevate into that role. Um, but it remains to be seen. Like Juwan Bentley is like that quiet leader from, from what everyone has been saying. Uh, but like they need to have that person that people look up to. And I, I think that they'll be fine on special teams. They'll find someone. I think like Matthew Slater uh, should be an instant like inductee into the Patriots Hall of Fame. He can do whatever the heck he wants. Uh, he's one of the all timers. Um, but I, I think from like a like a leadership standpoint, the whole team will miss him. Like the whole team will miss it. Maybe like from a who will fill his like specific role on the field. Belichick always has a way to to find additional people on that coverage unit. But from a who is the face of this Patriots team, like who is the heart of it? It's been Matthew Slater for a very long time. And I would be curious to see uh other Patriots or other Patriots and New England sports fans. Uh I kind of feel like people have been saying this about Patrice Bergeron for <laughs> like five years now. Like, is this the last last time he'll step on the ice? And then he just keeps coming back and he's chugging along and he's like still maybe not like the top player on the team, but like, you know, he's one of the best, better players on the team. I wouldn't be surprised if if McCordy, if Slater, you know, take the offseason, they reassess and they go, you know what? Why not? Why not come back? Like, I, I could see them stepping away a little bit uh, unless Devin goes and joins his brother Jason on like Good Morning Football, which I would totally understand. And that would be a very, very clear, obvious choice for, for a next career for him. Yeah, I think that'd be great. McCordy brother. I, I, I listen to like a radio show with those two. I think they're, they're very dynamic. They're very articulate. They're very knowledgeable. They're very smart. Uh, I think they'd be really, really good in that, in the booth. And I'll tell you one thing, Richill, I feel like the Patriots could definitely use some help at special teams coaching. Yep. Um, maybe Matthew Slater could just kind of be like a, like a go, go professional soccer style, be like a player manager. He can like play <laughs> like, and then coach when he's not out there. Uh, but I'd like to see him around Patriot place in some capacity. It's a really interesting conversation. Obviously he's a, I think he's a first ballot Patriots hall of famer. Uh, I think he's a NFL hall of famer. I, my personal, he, he, he's in the conversation for best special team of all time. Maybe I'm biased on that. That's a really hard in if you're just a pure special teamer, just because they don't really reward that position. But uh if there's ever like a down year in you know, maybe 15 years down the line and they start to recognize the value of special teams more, I'd love to see Matthew Slater, at least in the conversation there might be tough to, to do, but I, I I'd love to see those two guys come back for one more year. Maybe they're looking at the roster and maybe depending on the moves Belichick makes in the offseason, yep. who they bring in, if they really are optimistic about their ability to make some noise, make a postseason run. Yeah. Why not come back on a one year kind of low 
low, like veteran minimum or, or incentive laden deal. Uh, it can't hurt. You know, they're not, they didn't play bad this season. They're not, you know, what they were, obviously, but I would love to see those guys back if for no other reason than for Matthew Slater to maybe, maybe Brendan Schooler becomes the new kind of special teams guy, or, you know, maybe Kyle Duggar still needs some mentorship in terms of how to become not only the player he is, but just the leader he is. Those are two very different skill sets. And if they can transition from, from kind of player to, to coach player to mentor and then lead their legacy that way, that'd be amazing. Yeah, totally. I mean, like, and they can probably do whatever they want. You know, I feel like they are of the players, like, uh, obviously they'll, they'll never be regarded around the league as much as Tom Brady, but like to this era of the Patriots, they are as much of like the foundation of the team as Brady and Belichick. I, I will stand by that. Yeah. And I think to them, if they want to stay and if they want to come back, then I feel like Bill Belichick would be like, cool. <laughs> I don't think he'd be like justify it or like figure it like I'm gonna really just nickel and dime you here a little bit I feel like he'd be like okay yeah, yeah. I mean like McCourty's coming off of a season where he played 97% of the snaps and like he's not at an all pro level anymore but he's still an above average free safety he's still got it and like same with Matthew Slater and especially at in that special teams role like that's not expensive if the Patriots have so much cap space like why not? Like, it's something that I think is important and is under uh, heralded a little bit is like that team leadership component, um, especially if the player can play, because you need to have, especially as this team is going through challenges, like this was a very challenging year. And we saw how much they still competed at the very end. We saw how this team rallied around Ramondre Stevenson and Jacoby Myers after those really frustrating plays against the Raiders and the Bengals. And at no point did I ever feel like uh, the locker room lost each other. I never felt like what you saw with the Jets where all the players were like, yeah, Zach Wilson, get out of here. Like <laughs> that, that never happened here. There were very obvious, like polite ways of them saying like, I don't know what Matt Patricia's doing. Like that was, that was very clear. But at no point did I feel like the locker room lost each other. And I put that directly at the leadership from Devin McCourty and Matthew Slater and their ability to make sure that the team keeps focus. And I think that that takes a lot of pressure off of Mac Jones. I think it's uh, an area that is absolutely needed as they're going to go through likely another transition from an offensive coaching staff perspective. Mac Jones said all the right things. The players are saying all the right things. A lot of the guys are saying they'd love to be back. Again, I'm very curious to see what they do with guys like Damian Harris. Uh, there's some questions to answer. But, yeah, I mean, I think we're all ready. The, the players, coaches, and fans and wannabe sports writers like you and me, Rich, we're all ready to turn the page and move on from this season. It wasn't a disaster of a season. At the end of the day, they were like – three or four plays away from making the postseason. They could have made it in. It just like two or three of those plays gone the other way. It was just a bad year. It just wasn't that fun to watch. And I'm glad it's over. And I'm excited <laughs> to break down 2023 after we take some time off, relax, enjoy the playoff Super Bowl, and then come back in in February or March and start talking free agency and all that good stuff. Before all that, Rich, the season happened. It's over. Do you have kind of like an offensive and de defensive MVP or a player you enjoyed the most or your, your best or favorite memory of the season? Anything you want to talk about in that respect? Yeah, totally. Let's start with offensive MVP because it's got it's easily Ramondre Stevenson, yeah. right? Like we, we could get like nerdy and be like Michael and Wayne, absolutely. But like very clearly, this was the season of Ramondre Stevenson. Like he led the team 1,461 uh, yards from scrimmage, six touchdowns. Obviously, he had the 
uh, game losing fumble against the Bengals and initiated the game losing fumble uh, or like lateral play against the Raiders. Uh, but like, honestly, he was a revelation this year, over a thousand yards on the ground at five yards per carry. He was number two on the team in targets, uh, number one in receptions. Uh, with 69 receptions for 421 yards and a score. Uh, fourth most catches uh, all time for a Patriots running back behind two seasons of James White and like a 1977 season of Tony Collins. So like this was very easily Stevenson's breakout year. Uh, he is someone that, you know, as Damian Harris was dealing with injuries, uh, showed that Stevenson could be the guy, showed that the Patriots are willing to target him coming out of the backfield. Uh, and brings forth that like three down mentality that I think and hope that we'll continue to see because under Josh McDaniels, whenever the Patriots, uh, you know, here we go. Compliment for Matt Patricia. My <laughs> biggest frustration with uh, Josh McDaniels utilization of the running backs was just how transparent and obvious it was. Whereas like, Oh, Damien Harris, it's going to be a run. They're not going to ever throw him the ball. And it just became so predictable. Teams were able to stack the box and it made the offense less efficient than it could be. Matt Patricia came in and was like, no, 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 no. Like these need to be three down backs. Like they're capable of it, but we need to, that, that is something that we should not pre-tell the defense what's going to happen. And so the fact that uh, Stevenson rose to the occasion, uh, you know, I, I think is a testament to his ability, his bright future. And he's very clearly my offensive MVP. Yeah. Tough to argue otherwise. I think he's also the leading receiver for the Patriots for the 69 catches, yep. uh, which is not what you want to have. You're running back or your number one receiver across the league, but uh, it, it's easily Stevenson. Yeah. I and mean, you can always make a case for somebody else. Um, but the only consistent piece the Patriots had all year was basically David Andrews and Ronnie Stevenson. Um, you want to say like Jake Bailey was the offensive MVP. I can make the case for that too, because they're punching <laughs> so much. And with the kickoffs to see what, what the disaster that was, but yeah, it's got to be Stevenson. I think the easy answer for defensive MVP is Matthew Judon, or as a sack leader, is just kind of the guy, the only Pro Bowl where they made. But I'm gonna go with Kyle Duggar. Oh, that was mine. I, I, I just think Kyle Duggar, like he, he, I don't think he's. I think this is the last year of him being underrated. This was his breakout yep. season. Um, pick sixes, fumble recoveries, returns, just like an absolute force. You can play him all over the place. He can be a linebacker if you need to. He can be a safety if you need to. You hinted at him, him be, being maybe the new Devin McCourty who breaks down the huddle and the sights and sounds of the game videos. I think he's just a, an absolute beast. He's coming into what this will be his third year coming in in 2023. So he's still under contract for a couple more years. Uh, he's only going to get better. And that kind of hybrid linebacker safety is where the Belichick defense has been going for a while now. And he's kind of the quintessential guy that can play all over the field, athletic freak. And he's my defensive MVP. Yeah. I mean, he, he's my easy choice there as well. Uh, I, I think Judon had a great year built off his strong first year, but you know, COVID derailed the second half of it, but he played strong all year round. I think that he allowed Josh Uche to be kind of one of the breakout players of the year for the Patriots with 11 and a half sacks. Um, Judon's taken on some of that leadership space in that defensive front, which I think the team really needed. Uh, so, you know, just want to speak more to Judon and his like positive impact as well as, uh, Dietrich wise. Um, but yeah, Duggar's my easy defensive MVP. He's someone that, uh, you know, he is going to be a free agent in 2024. Uh, and he's my, one of my points for like, if the Patriots want to, uh, use some of their cap space to retain players that are going to be free agents in 2024, uh, I mean, that draft class, very, very strong. Uh, you have Jawan Bentley, Michael and Wainu. Uh, those are, I know Bentley's not part of that draft class, but that free agent class. Like you got a bunch of players that the Patriots could preemptively pay. Duggar would be at the very, very top of my list. 
He's someone that the sky is the limit. Uh, I would not be surprised if he was vying for all pro status next year. It's also nice to pass to select a, a DB from this in the second round that actually panned out. It just it hey, they're nice. good at safeties. They're good yeah. at picking out safeties. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's definitely good. I, I think we're in agreement on the offensive, defensive MVP. Uh, do you have like a, a favorite moment of the season, uh, good or bad, that you'll always remember? Other than the Jacoby Myers lateral, they'll probably get played on low light bills forever. Yeah, I mean, honestly, uh, week five against the Detroit Lions, the Matt Patricia revenge game where the Patriots blanked them 29 to zero. Uh, Bailey Zappi's first uh, start. And obviously he was like relatively limited, but like Stevenson had a great game out there. Judon had a pair of sacks. Uh, Jack Jones, I believe, had a uh, an interception out there. Like that was probably one of the most fun games uh, all year. It was one that like, you know, back to back with the Browns game where the Browns uh, or, you know, Patriots beat the Browns 38 to 15. And it's where like there was like six or seven players on the Patriots that put up 60 plus yards from scrimmage. Like that was like the ideal state of what the Patriots offense could look like. And they were never able to reclaim that. That was probably the most fun because whenever uh, the, whenever your team's down to your third string quarterback, there should be zero expectations. And for them to blank the Detroit Lions, who at that point had the number one offense in the league and throughout the season continue to have one of the best offenses in the entire league, for them to blank them was probably, I mean, it was the Patriots' most complete game all year, uh, but it was probably one of the most fun. Uh, and, and I can't really, I mean, after that point uh, or after the Browns game, it was a lot of pretty, pretty disappointing football. Yeah, you forget the Lions. Like, the Lions are a weird team. They started out hot, and they went cold, and they finished, like, 8-2 and two or something like that down the stretch, and they just barely missed the playoffs. They could be really good next year, and uh, you don't think the Patriots would have beaten the Lions as bad as they did if you look at the season as a whole, but that was a really great game. Uh, it's really fun to watch. Uh, for me, I don't know. This is one of those things that's always going to stick in my mind, and it's probably, like, the wildest six to eight minutes of regular season football I will ever see, which was that Bears game. It was Mac Jones' first game back. He still looked a little shaky. Apparently, it was in the game plan to give him a drive or two, then put Zappi mm. in. The P- Patriots were getting smoked. They couldn't get anything going. It was a really weird what-the-hell's-going-on moment. The Bears were not good. They had the number one overall pick in the draft. It's one of the worst teams in the NFL. They were losing to the Bears at home. Zappi comes in. He starts throwing bombs. Yep. They had this long – was it to, was it to Aguilar or Devontae hey, Parker? Parker. Parker, that ridiculous throw. Then they get the interception and they come back and drive down again. I'm like, what the hell is happening? And then it all kind of fell apart. <laughs> but like that kind of like eight minutes of just like Mac Jones got benched for Bailey Zappi, who played very well in relief duty. I was like, how am I going to reconcile this? So the Patriots come back and start lighting it up. What are we going to do here? And then it all kind of came down. If I will always remember that really weird, surreal kind of eight minute stretch on that Monday night game, as long as I live. Yeah, totally. I mean, that was one of like the most wild settings ever. Uh, and then, it did, yeah, as you said, like it answered all the questions over the second half of like, oh, no, no, no. This is why Zappy is not going yeah. to be taking over yeah. for Mac Jones. <laughs> all right. That makes sense. Fire in a bottle. Um, yeah. I mean, other things worth mentioning, probably uh, Patriots having seven defensive scores on the year or like seven non-offensive touchdowns. Like, that was wild. Marcus Jones, we need to mention him. Uh, he was the most electric player I feel like I've seen on the Patriots since maybe Dion Lewis. Like, I think the Patriots have had, like, consistent and good players, but I don't think I've ever been more on the edge of my seat watching a Patriots player than I have since Dion Lewis. 
and it was because it felt like any time he touched it, if he breaks one tackle, maybe he'll score. Like that's something that I wanted to mention because also, you know, he played offense. He became one of the defensive starters over the end of the season. He should be, uh, in my head, one of the the all pro options on special teams uh, with as a, the punt returner. That's something that I uh, feel strongly about. Um, but it, it was one of the the most fun parts of the year was seeing how he has uh, developed over the course of his rookie year. No, no. Again, really, really strong rookie draft class this year. A lot of impact players already. I think they had two back-to-back really good drafts, uh, which always bodes well for for the future. I don't want to get too much into it because I have a, I've somehow, Rich, have to come up with 20 moments that are most memorable, the top 20 moments of my offseason countdown. Not excited to do that. Um, <laughs> but I feel like Marcus Jones will make that list. I feel like the Detroit Lions will make that list. Maybe that zappy Chicago game will make that list. But that's only three of 17. I have a funny feeling Jacoby Myers is making that list for the wrong reason. But uh, I don't want to tip my hand too much on that. Again, overall, not a great season, but a season. And I will take a, a crappy season of Patriots football over no football every time. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so uh, I'm, I'm excited to like break down all of the changes that will hopefully be taking place over the course of this off season. Um, but yeah, I'm ready to put the 2022 in the books. I'm excited. Also just the fact that like the best teams made it to the playoffs. Totally. If, if I'm being honest, if Tua is healthy, the dolphins are just a much more fun team to watch <laughs> than the Patriots on. And so like with chiefs, bills, Bengals, Jaguars taking out the Titans. At least Trevor Lawrence is more exciting than uh, the Derrick Henry-led Titans offense. Justin Herbert with the Chargers. Lamar Jackson, if he's healthy, and the Ravens. Like, this is just a much better outcome for everyone. No one wants to watch, uh, you know, Mac Jones and the Patriots or Kenny Pickett and the Steelers. So, Patriots picking 14th overall. Excited to break down the offseason with you. Uh, until next time, Alec, I'm just happy to watch the postseason and not feel like the heart, my heart's going to just be crushed by the Buffalo Bills uh, in wildcard weekend. Yeah, man. Let's take some time off. Let's relax. Enjoy the playoffs. And we'll reconvene once the season's over. Start talking 2023. All right. Until next time, Alec, you have a good one. You too, buddy. Enjoy it. Later.